good morning. Welcome to Grace. If y'all stand, let's sing together. We serve a great God. Um, so let's just sing about that. Tears like blood. 
things that we think is important is that as Christians, we're not gathering here saying that we are the people that know how to live the right way and have it all together and have life figured out and those bad people are out there and we're the good people in here. Um, One of the things that we think is important is to confess that, that, no, we're the bad people too um, and that as Christians, we're the ones that know that we need a savior. Um, And it worked out real well this morning that that I kind of messed up and I forgot that we have a baby dedication. We're supposed to do that before we started singing, but uh, as part of my confession this morning, I also confess that I forgot that and bring them up because part of what we do in confession that we need God, um, part of that is also saying that we need help in raising our kids. Sometimes they cry too. Come on up. Let's start coming up front. Hopefully I won't scare too bad. It's okay. Look at, all, look at all the people. Look at that. One of the things that we do here as a community is is we confess that we need the Lord's help in our everyday life. It's a part of our worship service, but we also bring children up together and say, God, we need help knowing how to take care of these kids. We need help knowing how to raise them to honor you. And uh, so I'll let uh, the Duncans introduce themselves here for you. Um, we're the Duncan family. I'm Nicholas. This is my wife, Amanda, and it's our beautiful daughter, Madison. So. Good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Psalm 127. I'm going to have you guys stand with us as we pray uh, and uh, ask the Lord's blessing in, in, this, yeah. uh, in this family's yeah. life. Yeah. I'm going to read from uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Pray with me, please. God, we thank you for this beautiful little girl, and we pray that you would continue to teach her, to raise her, to know you, to love you. Thank you for this family, and we stand with them, confessing together that, that, Lord, we don't have it all figured out, that we need your help. 
we need your help in our everyday life, and we need your help uh, to have wisdom. We need your help to know how to raise children that, that love you and, and walk with you. I pray that you'd be with this family. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would strengthen Nicole, strengthen Amanda, um, so that this little child would, would walk with you, that she would know you and walk in freedom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right. You may be seated. We're just continuing this time of confession and to claim that Jesus is our only hope and His sacrifice is enough for us. Thank you. 
little bit quietly together. Um, I just love that line that says, revealed by nature and miracles. Um, it's realizing the miracle of salvation and the work that God does in our lives. And what an amazing thing that is. And let's sing together to our God, the famous one. Let's sing out, you are the Lord. Famous one, great is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare you're glorious, glorious, great is your name. we pray that you will reveal yourself to this world in us, God. We praise you and thank you for your strength, God, that overcomes sin and death in our lives, God. I pray that you will help us to not just sing these songs and go away unchanged, God, but that you will help us to just seek you out and trust you spend our time following you help us to listen to your word God we pray that you will show us what you would have us to do it's your name I pray amen good morning again hey very good thank you got two people that are very awake that's good good morning yeah, all right. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We're in 2 Timothy. We've been calling the series Carry On. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to grab one of the ones we have under the chairs. You can keep those, and we are in page 996 uh, in that Bible. Don't keep it if you have one at home. But if you don't have one at home, you can keep that Bible, and we'll put more under the chairs. But we're in page 996 in those black Bibles. It's 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And we've been calling this series Carry On, and the concept in this letter, which is really Paul's last letter, is his hope and his desire that the church would not just die out with the, the few churches that had been planted at that time, but that, that it would continue to multiply, that it would continue to grow, and he's encouraging Timothy to keep going and not to give up in the face of resistance, people that are resisting the message of the gospel of Jesus, people that are telling uh, Timothy to count on flesh and not depend on the Lord. Paul's saying, resist that temptation. Resist the temptation to follow these false teachers that may impress people with the way they do things, but to stick to those that are faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in context, I just wanted to let you know also that part of the reason we've decided to be studying through these pastoral letters, we studied Titus for a little while at the beginning of the year, which is another pastoral letter, a letter written to, to shape how churches are pastored and led, and then now Second Timothy. Part of the reason we're doing that is because of where we are in the growth of this church. Um, we've been going for about three and a half years now as a church. We're still relatively young. Uh, God's blessed us in amazing ways and brought a lot of people here, and we've got a lot of uh, gifted folks involved at the church. And uh, we've been doing some strategic planning as a leadership team just to, to pray and understand how God would continue to help us to move forward. And so we're looking at these letters together to understand kind of at a root level uh, how God would have churches to function and then we've also been incorporating some, some new strategic plans and how we're doing things. Um, as we announced, we've continued to emphasize more and more uh, encouraging people to get involved in community. We've talked about that in, involved in missional community. It's not enough just to have uh, some kind of serendipitous friendships that you just happen to make here and there, but that we would actually purpose, that we would covenant to be friends in Christ, to pursue friendships on purpose for the sake of growing in our faith. Another thing that we, we talked about as we've gone through the strategic planning is we realize that a, a church of about 600 people generally has multiple full-time staff members to care and, and lead the church, and we just have one and a few part-time staff members. And so uh, we talked about this before, and I don't know if everybody's here, but we're going to be hiring Stephen Watson, who currently serves as kind of youth and a general assistant pastor, to come on full-time as an assistant pastor in June. And so we're excited about that, just the Lord giving us uh, more help in that area. 
Uh, another thing is building. A lot of people, if, if you happen to ever be in that foyer, you, you recognize that this church building is not meant for this many people. Uh, and so we're looking at probably a, like a four-year window, and we've got a building committee that's, that's working on coming up with alternative plans of maybe you know, ways to expand here or to build in a new location and what those different options are. And so we just ask you as a congregation to pray with us as the Lord leads us to, uh, to, to plan strategically for the future of this church and, and what's the way forward and how to continue to, to really be good stewards of what God's given us. It's really been amazing what God has done here, and it's been, been a wild ride. So we're excited to, uh, to be involved in, in what God's doing in this community and prayerful that God would use us to continue to, to be his, uh, his hands and feet here in this town and this community. So if you look at 2 Timothy 3 with me, we're hitting here on the idea that uh, we have to follow something. And Paul is calling Timothy to continue following him and the true message that he's entrusted to Timothy. And he's, he's making it clear here the distinction between the true message and this false teaching that we spent a lot of time on last week and we've seen the last several weeks that there are these false teachers that are really just trying to get people to follow them, that just kind of want to be the kind of the cult of personality thing, look at me, follow me. Look at how impressive I am. And Paul's saying, that's, that's not how we do ministry, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, it's a different situation. We're trying to point people to Jesus and point people to not depend on flesh, not depend on the power of their own strength, but to depend on God himself. So we'll read in chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 10 through 14. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Please pray with me and we'll ask the Lord to help us follow his word here this morning. Father, we come before you and, and we thank you that you adopt us as your children. We thank you that we have the privilege of coming before you in prayer. We pray that your spirit would be with us this morning so that we would understand your word, that we would hear what you have to say, that we wouldn't stop up our ears and, and turn the other way, but that we would be open, that we would receive you and receive your truth, and that we would follow after you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, I read a story the other day about a guy that was uh, on a trip with his wife and he was going to rent a car and they were going to be driving on some back roads and, and the, uh, the attendant at the car rental place offered them one of these GPS uh, tracker things. You know, how many of y'all have these GPS things in your car that tell you where to go, right? You have like a little robot voice that tells you which direction to turn and everything. So, you know, now I guess at rental car places, I've never rented a car with one of these in them, but I guess now they're offering those in the rental cars and, of course, for an extra fee. So, the, you know, the guy said, oh, I don't need that. I'll be fine. You know, I can find my way around. No problem on these back roads. I've got a good sense of direction and we don't need that. But his, his wife was with him and she was like, mm, honey, I, I think we should get it. You know, we, I really think we should get it. So he, he went ahead and, and gave in and he went ahead and paid the extra fee to get it and, they were driving around, and they, they came to one turn, and he was saying that when they got to this one turn, the little robot lady was telling him to go right, but he was sure that he needed to go left. And so he turned left, and the robot lady was telling him he was going the wrong way, so he just unplugged it, you know? He said, that's the great thing about this GPS device, is you can turn it off when you want to, right? You can turn it off. You don't have to keep listening to it. So he turned left and drove for another mile, but... After a while, he started to realize that he was actually going the wrong direction, that he should have listened to the GPS uh, device. And, of course, his, his wife was smiling, and she was nice enough not to say anything. Um, and he said he plugged it back in, and, and he said a really cool thing happened. When he plugged it back in and, you know, typed in the address again, and, you know, it said recalculating, recalculating. And he said it was cool because it didn't chew him out. It didn't say, you idiot, why didn't you, why didn't you follow my directions? But it just recalculated, told him to do a U-turn, and told him to head back the other direction. It was a very gracious little robot voice, and, and he, he appreciated that. And, and I think that that really is something that can, that can relate to all of humanity, because we all want to go our way. Even though we may be given clear directions, 
we may be given very clear directions, turn here, turn there. We go, no, I'm just going to unplug that voice. I'm going to go my way. That's a lot of what we studied when we looked at Titus, that Paul was saying there, there's the way of the culture that, that wants to go, the, the way of, of the lie of the serpent that said you can be your own gods, you can follow your own way, and, and life will be great. And, and humanity has been trying that for thousands and thousands of years, and it's not worked. It, it's been the wrong way. There's a proverb, and it's in chapter 14. I think it's also chapter 16, but it's right there around chapter 14, 15. It's a proverb that's actually repeated twice. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And ladies, I see you nodding your head. I think that means universal humanity, not just men, you know, that are wrong about the directions. But I think it's, it's a human problem here. There's a way that seems right to mankind, but in the end it leads to death. And that's really the position we all are in as human beings. Are we going to follow the Lord's direction or are we going to follow our own way? And so Paul is, is talking to Timothy here at this crossroads that Timothy is going to have this strong pull to want to follow these false teachers that are promising, hey, everything can be great now. You can have health and wealth and all your problems can go away if, if you just follow us and do things our way. Paul's saying, no, it's, it's not that simple. You've got to follow the truth. And in the grammar we see in this passage, we start off with Paul saying, you have followed. Timothy, you've already followed it. Just like we often have walked the right path. We've followed the truth for a while, and then sometimes we get off track and we go the other direction. Paul's talking to Timothy saying, you have followed. And then at the end of verse 14, he says, continue. Keep following. Don't stop. You, you know the right way to go. Continue to follow the truth. The first thing that we see in verse 10 is that we see that the truth is, is this full package. So Paul is calling Timothy to, to follow the truth, but the truth is not something that stands off on its own. We often think of truth as an abstract idea floating out in space, something that can be debated in a classroom maybe. But, but Paul says, no, you've, you've followed my teaching. You've followed my conduct. You've followed my aim in life. You've followed my faith, my patience, my love my steadfastness. Paul, Paul crams it all together. And that's important. It needs to be all crammed together because we often separate these things out, right? Like we can follow this idea from this person and this idea from that person and this way of life, but this idea about how life works. And Paul says it all goes together. You can't separate out the truth, the teaching from the rest of life, but, but it all goes together. Timothy walked with Paul. He lived with Paul. He did ministry side by side with Paul. He saw how he lived. So he knew what Paul was saying was true. He had experienced it. He'd, he'd been there. He'd walked this way before. I, I was thinking about coaching. I've, I've coached football some with little kids. And uh, what's really fun about coaching is, is getting down in the dirt with the kids. I don't think coaching would be nearly as fun if it happened in a classroom. And really it would be pretty ridiculous if we coached a sport in a classroom, especially a sport like football. Can you imagine, you know, like lining a bunch of 10-year-old boys up in a classroom saying, all right, boys, pull out your pen and paper, and I'm going to tell you how the plays work. All right, first play. You step forward two steps, and then you turn to your right, and then you hit the guy there. Make sure you get low enough. It, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't really work. But part of the fun of, of coaching football is getting out there with them. It, it's really fun to get out there with the blocking dummy and knock the kids around, too. That's, especially 10-year-olds. I wouldn't coach kids that big. That would be dangerous, but... But that's what Timothy got to experience with Paul. They walked through the steps, you know. It's like, okay, step this way and, and hit him here and then turn that way. You know, he, he walked through it with him. He didn't just stand off at a distance and say, Timothy, this is how it works. See you later. I'm out of here. But, but Timothy went through life together with Paul. And, and that's the way that Christian truth is meant to work. Christian truth is never meant to be... Uh, separated from the experience. And, and that's really part of the problem, I think, in, in our culture and in, in modern-day evangelicalism, kind of the culture of the evangelical church today, is often uh, we, we do great with large gatherings, and we, we come and we say we're committed to the truth, and then we all scatter and we're, we're disconnected, and we don't really have ongoing relationships. That's one of the reasons we keep beating the drum about getting involved in missional community together, is, is doing life on life together, knowing each other, walking with each other. It's important that you have someone to cry with and to pray with and to celebrate with. You need to have people in your life that you can lock arms with. And we're always beating the drum about, you know, Sunday school class or a small home group. 
Uh, but the program is not the answer, right? I mean, the, the answer is that we would do life in community. That can happen in the program. That can happen apart from the program. But we need, as Christians, to make friends with people that we can walk with, people that we can follow. We need to have others in our lives that we're inviting to follow us, people that see our lives and see how we live. It's, it's really important. We talked yesterday. We were having a training meeting yesterday, and we were talking about how the, the house church movement is really kind of a reaction uh, to how we tend to be anonymous in church these days. The house church movement is a movement of churches that basically say church is just what you do in the home group. It's just the life and prayer and Bible study together in small groups. And you really don't need to gather in a big building because that's anonymous and so it's just kind of worthless and you're wasting your time with that. You really just need to do life together. And you can understand why people begin to think that way because they get so sick of being anonymous, right? They get so sick of being separated and isolated. Um, I think chances are that if, if you're at a church like this where it is a big room and we're all gathered together, you might be on the other side of the spectrum you might be the kind of person that kind of likes to be anonymous, right? You might kind of like having a little distance. You might like gathering here together, but not letting people really see your daily life too much. And I would say I'm guilty of that myself. I remember when I went to Texas A&M, how cool it was that you could go to a class of 300 people, sit in the back, and the professor never knew if you were there or not. Like, I liked that. I was kind of free. I felt like, wow, I can come and go as I please. As long as I show up on test day, everything's fine. Well, the Christian life is not supposed to be lived like that. It's not just truth hanging out there that you're going to take a test on someday, but it's a life to be lived in, in community. And so I want to challenge you not to live your Christian life anonymous. I was trying to figure out the other way to say that. Anonymity, is that it? Don't live your life separated from people, not knowing people. Live your life in community. Live your life side by side with others that can see how you live. And it's going to look different. It's going to look different for different people. But that's, that's the goal, is that you would actually have people that you share with. Is there anyone that you share with? Is there anyone that you share your stuff with? Is there anyone you share your pain with? Is there anyone that you can go to to pray with you? Anyone that you're praying for? Are you doing life together with other people? The next thing that we see is, is really important, and it's the harder thing, I think, in this section, is that Timothy is challenged to continue following Paul even through troubles. It's something he's already done, and Paul's saying, and, and there's going to be more of it too, Timothy. There's still more to come. You're going to have to follow through troubles. It's not just the truth and not just the good things, but also the bad things as well. Verse 11 says, You followed my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, this is the hard verse. Indeed, verse 12 all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is a completely different gospel from what many churches are preaching today. Many churches today are saying, if you follow me and do these three steps or do these five steps or read my book or give me enough money, then all your troubles will go away. And that sounds real good because we all live in a life full of troubles, don't we? All of us are sick or we know someone that we love that's sick. All of us have broken relationships or someone very close to us is struggling with a broken relationship. All of us know what it is to be lonely or to be hurting because we live in a life that's broken, that's full of suffering. And so it's very easy to get tempted away by this false message that the false teachers say that you can have heaven now. It can all be fixed if you'll just follow me, if you'll just join our group, if you'll just do this, and all your troubles will, will go away. The hope that we have, the hope of eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus is a true hope, is a real hope that we celebrate at Easter, that we will conquer death. But, but God leaves us here to be about His business of blessing others, of helping others in this world that's still broken. And, and we're not there yet. We look forward to it happening someday. But, it, but it's not like if you order your life just the right way, it's all going to be gone now and, and your life's going to be fixed and all your troubles will go away. I think a lot of us are looking for that, right? We're kind of looking for that silver bullet that'll just fix everything. Well, if I can just organize my schedule, maybe that would fix it all, right? I, I tend to think that way. We've got three kids. We have a very busy, hectic life. If we could just smooth out our schedule, that would solve all our problems, right? If we could just get a better job, maybe you think, if I could just get in the right house, then the nest would be good and everything could just work out, right? If, if I had the right relationship, maybe I need to trade in this spouse for another spouse, and then that would solve all my problems. And I'm just going to warn you, then 
you bring your problems to the next spouse, so it doesn't, doesn't really work that way. But we have this hope and the silver bullet that will just fix everything. And Paul says, Timothy, don't, don't give in. Don't start following those false teachers that say everything can be perfect now, but continue to be faithful to the true gospel that's going to require some suffering in this life. That part of the privilege we have of being God's children is that we get to join with him in suffering. Just as Christ suffered for us, we get to suffer for others. God wants to use us to, to give our life to others, to help others, to help those that are hurting, so that all together then we can head into that future perfect life that we look forward to in heaven. And that's the goal. That's what we look forward to. I wanted to read a couple of verses. I'm not going to have you flip around and try to find these, uh, but you might just write down where these are found. There's one in Matthew 5 and one in John 15. Those are two great places to see where Jesus says, yeah, persecution is going to be a real part of following me. Jesus says that's, that's going to be part of the deal. In Matthew 5, 44, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says that's how you should handle difficulties. You should pray for them. You should love them. And he says in, in 5, 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because if you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness, that shows that you're a child of heaven. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says a little differently in, in John 15. He says in John 15, 18 through 20, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you're going to follow Christ, you're not going to be greater than your master. If they persecuted him, then they will persecute us. This word that, that Paul uses here in persecution, this word is literally... Uh, hunt. It's this idea of being pursued. And, and it's this idea that hard things are going to come after you, are going to come against you. There's going to be pushback. If you're going to try to trust in Jesus and not trust in your own flesh, there's going to be others that are going to push back against you. And, and we may not have, have uh, our house set on fire, have bricks thrown through our windows like some of our brothers and sisters in third world countries. We may not see that kind of persecution. And we should be thankful for that. We should be glad. But there will be pushback. If you want to walk with Christ, there will be pushback against you. There will be those pursuing you and hunting after you and saying, that's, that's not the way it is. Sometimes it's just that voice in your own head saying, no, that's, that's stupid. You, you can do it yourself. You don't, you don't need him. You don't need to trust in God, but you can do life on your own. I just want to challenge you to, to think about that. What are, where are some areas where, where you're getting pushed back against? Where are some areas where you're struggling? And, and are you starting to to give in to that temptation that, that if you find the right church or you find the right friends or you find the right uh, job or the right house, that all your troubles are going to be over. Are, are, you, are you getting sucked into that kind of American dream that, that can pull us away from following Christ? There's this great story about Ernest Shackleton, who was an explorer, uh, who was the guy that, that first crossed Antarctica. So he's famous for that. And there was this, uh, this story, and again, I don't... People haven't really found this ad, but there's, there's a story that he put an ad in the paper to find guys to go on the expedition with him. And that basically the ad didn't promise anything glorious, but said something like, men wanted, you know, little hope of success, you know, long periods of time without food, little supplies, little money, uh, can't guarantee that you'll return home. I mean, it's basically saying, you're going to die if you come with me. And apparently thousands of men contact him and, and want to go on this voyage. And, and we should see the Christian life more in that way. It's not supposed to be some easy thing that people are, are lured into, but it's this difficult challenge that, that we're called to, this difficult life of, of laying down our life to find it, following Christ who gave his life up for us. And, and there is grace and there is joy and it's overwhelming and it's, it's free but that, that free gift that he gives us, that salvation that we find in Christ, then should push us out to give ourselves to other people. As we transition to the last point, I wanted to, to look at verse 13, which I think kind of shapes us from 
from this idea of, of struggling to the idea of, of walking with people you really trust. Because Paul lays out again this contrast with the false teachers in verse 13. So he said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what he said in verse 12. And then in verse 13 he says, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived makes it clear, and, and this word even imposters can mean like charlatans. Again, he's, he's referencing these false teachers who, who put on a show, who try to impress people with, with how great they look or how great they sound or promising uh, everything being fixed right now and your trouble's all going away. And he says, those, those guys are different. They're, they're not gonna, there's not going to be any suffering and persecution there. They're just trying to promise that everything's going to be great. He says, but don't follow them because they're just going to go from bad to worse. He says they're imposters. They're just deceiving others. And, and in Galatians 5 and 6, Paul references these same kinds of false teachers who are telling people that you need to obey the external rituals of the law if you want to be saved. It's not enough to just trust in Christ alone. And Paul is saying those people are trying to show marks on their flesh to show that their flesh is strong enough to save them. He says in, in 5.11, brothers, if I still were to preach circumcision of the flesh, why am I still being persecuted? He says, I wouldn't be persecuted if I preached a gospel of you can save yourself by your own flesh. But Paul says, instead, I'm, I'm being persecuted because I'm preaching Christ alone. He says, the offense of the cross has been removed when someone preaches something that comes from the flesh. But the offense of the cross is that our flesh can't do it. That's the offense of the cross. He says, brothers, if I were still to preach circumcision of the flesh, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And in 6.12, he, he echoes that statement again. He says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, there were false teachers that were saying, You've got to follow our steps. You can't have salvation without doing this, and without doing this, and without doing this. And Paul says, No, the offense of the cross is that Jesus did it for us. That's what makes it so offensive. That's why people want to push back against that message. People want to tell you, no, 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 you've got to follow me. Or no, 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 you've got to depend on yourself. Or you have to do this, you have to do that. And Paul says, no, the, the cross is offensive because the cross, the message of the cross is that the cross alone is enough. That Jesus paid for us. That there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But that God had to come in and save us. That he had to come in and fix what we had broken. And that's what's so offensive about the cross. And the more you live completely by grace, the more you live completely by faith in Jesus and not faith in your own flesh, the more you'll offend other people. I think it's a paradox because I think in some ways that, that leads to a beautiful life that people can be attracted to, but it also leads to a life that's really frustrating for people. It can really offend people. It can make people want to push back against that message. And that takes Paul to the, to the last section, which I call following and trust, because he really emphasizes here that, that relationship of trust that he has with Timothy and that Timothy also had with his mother and grandmother. In verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue. Uh, this is that word that, that's used like abide that you've, you've heard of maybe where Jesus talks about uh, remaining or abiding in the vine, remaining connected to him for your life. Well, well, Paul's using that same terminology here. Continue, remain in what you've learned. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul says, you, you know me. You know from whom you've learned it. In verse 15, he says, And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We're going to really look at 15 and 16 and 17 more next week in understanding what these sacred writings are. But here Paul also connects to those he knew in childhood. He connects this apostolic, authoritative message of, you know, he's an, he's an apostle and he gave this truth to Timothy and Timothy saw it and Timothy got to test it and see Paul in persecution and see Paul in good times and bad and, and see him up close. And Paul says, so you know from whom you've learned this. You know me. There's, there's this real relationship of trust here. And he says, and you even learned the same things from your mother and grandmother who you also know and love and, and trust. Paul's saying it, it's this close, intimate relationship, just like a, a father and a son. I, I found a picture here of a, of a boy following his dad. How many of you have, have kids that sometimes you see them saying things that you say or, or walking like you walk? Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes, sometimes it's bad, right? Um, sometimes it can, 
they can say something and you're like, ooh, I wish I hadn't have said that because now my, my kid thinks it's really cool. Um, and so that, that changes your habit. You know, there, there are certain things. My wife and I actually started having better manners at the table after our children were born because we were like, oh, we don't want to pass this on. So, you know, we started trying to kind of clean up our act a little bit. But we see that with our kids. We see that it's natural to, to follow them. And, and that's what Paul is, is calling on Timothy to do. He says, we already have this father-son relationship, Timothy. He's saying to continue in this relationship of trust. Saying, you, you know me. You, you know what I've said. You know I'm not trying to trick you. But these other people are trying to put on a show. They're trying to look good on the outside, but there's, there's nothing there on the inside. There's, there's no depth. There's no real connection there. There's nothing that goes any deeper. And again, I just, I just want to challenge you. Do, you. do you have relationships like that? Is there anyone that has that kind of relationship with you, that can depend on you, that trusts you, that knows you, and, and sees how you walk? Because in the New Testament, this, this idea of discipleship is, is people walking and following each other. Is there anyone following you? Are you inviting anyone into your life to, to follow you as you follow Christ? Are you leading others? And, and are you following anyone? Is there anyone that you get to be involved closely in their life and to follow them and to live life together in a relationship of trust? It's an important part of the Christian life. It's an important part of how we grow in our faith is, is following, not just following the, the latest and the greatest, not just following somebody that sounds good and sounds uh, impressive, but so, following someone that you know, that you can see and, and touch and, and feel and know that they're for real. Well, as we wrapped up, I wanted us to think again about this whole idea of, of, uh, of directions. And I've thought about this a lot. I don't know how much scientific research has been done on men and women and, and how they handle directions differently, but Probably some of you that are married have noticed that men and women seem to handle directions a little differently, right? Um, sometimes men don't like to ask for directions, and, and I think our wives sometimes think it's just because we're prideful, right? Ladies, do you ever think that? You think maybe your husband's just kind of prideful? He's a little puffed up, so he's, he won't humble himself to ask for directions. And uh, I think men, sometimes we struggle with our wives. We think maybe they're a little gullible, a little naive, that they would think that just any random person on the street would know how to get somewhere in a car. And know how to solve our problem when we're lost. And, and I want to encourage you that, that when it comes to following Christ and His direction in your life, that, that He's not asking you uh, to be gullible. He's not asking you to be naive. He, he's, he's asking you to humble yourself, yes, but humble yourself to follow someone that knows the direction you should go. And so when it comes to Christ, I, I don't want us to think that, that we need to just follow anyone. It's not good enough to just follow anyone. It's true. We don't want to be gullible. But, but it is important that we, would, that we would humble ourselves, that we would realize, like it says in Proverbs, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. We need to follow him and follow the truth, follow the truth that we've seen that's made clear and made real because Christ was willing to, to sacrifice himself for us. He proved himself in the sacrifice that he was willing to give. And then as we just celebrated at Easter, he proved himself even more that, that death didn't hold on to him, but that he conquered death. And so we have hope that someday we'll conquer the difficulties and the troubles of this life. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for, for teaching us. I pray that you would humble us, humble our pride that doesn't want to ask for directions and help us to come to you and follow you. Lord, help us not to be gullible and just to follow any direction, but to follow the true direction that you give us, the truth that's found in, in the message of salvation we have through your son Jesus, in the offense of the cross that tells us that we can't do it on our own, but we need your help. So, Father, we ask for it. We ask that you would lead us, you would help us to, to live lives that count, to give ourselves in suffering and trouble the way that you gave yourself for us. We pray in Jesus' name. If y'all could stand with us, let's sing together. This is a uh, just. This song is just a uh, call to action, and uh, has kind of a strange line in the last chorus that says, "We're not safe, or we're not safe, but we will rise." And I think it's just talking about exactly what Dave's been talking about—that we shouldn't feel like we can hold our lives to ourselves, but we need to die daily and and offer our lives up to Christ. So let's sing together. Thank you.
Away so that we would make a difference in this community, that we would do your, be your presence of grace to those that are struggling, to those that are hurting, that we would bring glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed.